Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome to the Landry Football Podcast for this Wednesday, December 1st. Yes, we have reached the month of December. We have put the month of November to bed. We're going to focus, be a lot of college football centric today is we're going to talk a lot about the ongoing coaching searches. Um, We'll talk about the conference championship games. Uh, We'll certainly take your questions uh, on the NFL or anything that you want on the Landry Football Podcast. But we, as we like to do, kind of maneuver and around a little bit and and figure um, kind of we take any topics on football that we think is – is really relevant regardless what time of year. And right now we have got an interesting weekend with the last weekend of the conference championship games that are going to determine who's going to be in the four. And we're going to get into that in the scenarios and the likelihood, the possibilities. We'll, we'll go through that, take your questions on that, want to hear your thoughts in, in questions. So we invite you to join us in the chat room. We like to say, if you're listening to this in podcast form, we really appreciate it. Um, we'd invite you to join us live in the chat room um, so that you can ask your questions. And that'll uh, give you an opportunity to participate in the show that we we really like uh, your involvement in that so much. I ask your questions. It's a way to get involved. So we appreciate you doing that. Uh, and you can do that by going to LandryFootball.com. Click on follow Chris on Twitch, and that'll get you there. But um, we've got a lot of things that we want to jump into today, and we're going to kind of take it and <clears throat> where we go with it. Got a uh, got some questions that we're going to take in the chat room if we have them. And then we've got um, Chris. Uh, Chris Moore sends a question via Twitter, which you can find me at Landry Football, that will address here about Georgia's defense. So we're going to get into the games, get into the coaching searches, uh, and we've got some great news uh, that I want to tell you about um, at MyPillow.com. And I really appreciate their involvement. And I got to tell you about something that is a great holiday gift and something that has really helped me out a great deal. Um, got a pillow from those guys, got some a towel set, got some bed sheets, and phenomenal. The the cotton sheets and towels 
are unbelievable. The pillows are great. Um, and notoriously bad sleeper, mainly because I'm working a bunch. And I just get my head down and neck issues and back issues. It's really helped me out a bunch. And they've got a special going on right now that I want to tell you about. So I want you to do this. We'll talk about it a little bit more as we get into the show. But uh, if you would, take this number down at my pillow. Special number, 1-800-659-2338. And make sure you have this handy. Promo code Landry, L-A-N-D-R-Y. Very important. Folks, telling you, they've got a towel set that's $109. You can get for $39. What a phenomenal deal. Uh, same thing with the the pillows and the sheets, a great opportunity. So uh, check them out. Give them a call. We think you're going to love it. Do yourself a favor and call the folks at my pillow. <clears throat> so we've had a lot of coaching searches this week, and we always promise you that we keep you up to date on Landry football of all the latest, how things happen. If you want to get a lot of details about the USC search, the LSU search, what's going on at Notre Dame, we're Oklahoma right now. Um, we got it for you. We, over at Landry Football and in Twitter, we keep you up to date on a lot of things that are happening. <clears throat> but I want to get into a little bit of kind of what's taking place, and we're going to go in order of which it's happened. The first one is the Florida situation. I've mentioned this, and I want to get into a little bit more detail. When Florida was having some issues this year. Scott Strickland, as any good athletic director would do, was on top of it. We know that, and we've talked about it here in the SEC show and the different platforms, that if there was continuing of the problems that was evolving during the season, that it was not a, a question that they might make a change. And I, it just didn't feel like that was realistic, that it was going to be more staff changes. As the season evolved, it became pretty ominous. It became almost a challenge to think, well, can they stop the bleeding? And we've talked about the conversations that he had to have with Dan, um, certainly looking at how the players responded and doing the full autopsy of the program, if you will, um, was something that um, he had to do, and he had to do as it was going. But as this evolved and it became clear that there might be a possibility, and everybody thinks, well, he did this, he knew he was going to do it. No, you have to do things as an administrator. And I can tell you, because doing my consulting work, there are administrators that are constantly trying to evaluate coaches, whether staff changes, head coaching changes, and they may not be in the market for a change, but they never know when they're going to lose a coach. Hey, they never know when things may go sour and you got to change. You've got to be prepared. You can't just start looking and researching. As important as this decision is, you better be researching and thinking at all times. I don't care what it is and who it is. And Scott was doing that, and he'd started to do his homework while Dan was the head coach. In anticipation, and how do you do that? Well, you, you don't openly go out. Of course, that, that gets a – that's where 
having close confidants in football, working with agents that you can trust, that you can get information and make sure that the right information is disseminated publicly and not things that you don't. And there are ways that you can absolutely do this to your benefit. Well, as he went through this process, he began to unearth several names that were of interest to him. But he he did do his research on the job that Billy Napier's done throughout his career, and in particular what he's done at Louisiana Lafayette over the past several years. And one of the things that he was looking at, as most administrators do, is once you have gone through the process of making a change and you feel you need to make a change, you identify what the problems are. You don't make a change unless a coach leaves. But if a coach leaves, you sometimes want to stabilize and maintain what you have. If you're making a change because you're relieving a coach, of his job. Nobody wants more of the same. That's a tough sell and it's tough sell inside, outside, and it's very difficult to work. So what were they looking for? In essence, an anti-Dan Mullen, someone that was very effective as a recruiter, that was very diligent as a recruiter, that was very organized, that was very easy to work with. All things that were not traits of Dan. Um, Attention to detail on recruiting. Emphasis on the staff and how you do it. Um, And the thing that ultimately sold Billy Napier is in the interview process was how prepared he was with who he would like to hire, who he plans to hire, you know, who he feels can make a difference to give Florida an advantage that heretofore they have struggled with. That's going to give them a recruiting advantage and a coaching advantage. He's young. He's energetic. He's a guy that people like working with. But first and foremost, they needed somebody that was going to go out and challenge the big, pardon the pun, the big dog on the porch. And that is Georgia. Georgia's recruiting the best in the East. They've got their young future superstar coach that recruits well, that hires well, and he's got the best team in the country. <clears throat> and and we'll see if they win the national championship. I love their chances, but that's not done yet. But you've got a championship-level program, and Florida is trying to get to that. And they're looking up at Georgia. And that's not something you want to be doing if you're Florida or if you're Georgia looking at up at one or the other. They didn't want to be into the Michigan-Ohio State situation where at Michigan you beat Ohio State and you rushed to feel like you won the national championship because you hadn't done it so long. It is a great accomplishment, and it was. They don't want to look at what happened last year catching Georgia at the right time to win. Oh, I'm, I know all the Gator fans. Well, we're, 
we're better and Dan's a better coach and he can out coach and you know we've got we can do it without now it it oh no this guy can't recruit he can't folks it's always about players it's always been about players coaching is very important a lot of good talent gets wasted with poor coaching but it is about players first and foremost and always will be how you get the most out of them, how you identify them, how you get them, how you develop them. All of those things are important, but it's all about players. And Florida doesn't have as many players as Georgia has. And that's got to change. Yes, there's some facility upgrades and more commitments to the staff that Georgia's better at than Florida, but I think they're understanding that we've got to do that. And they found their guy that they feel is their quote-unquote next Kirby Smart. Well, we'll see. Time will tell. Um, and they feel like, well, and our guy has done it at least as a head coach at the group of five level. Billy's been around really good coaches and really good programs at Clemson and particularly at Alabama twice. He's come up from the bottom. And here's what's really key. He knows firsthand what the analysts and the underlings in the Alabama staff does because he was one of them. And then he worked his way to a position coach, which is not easy to do with Nick Saban. So that tells you about, you know, what he was able to do. And so he understands the whole evaluation process that it's taken from putting together the critical factors in the evaluation. And so that is the mission. We'll see how well he does. Only time's going to tell. But that has been in play for some time, and he identified him, and when he met, it was sold pretty easily. And so it came together pretty quickly, or the finalizing of it came pretty quickly. But the process has been in play for a while. <clears throat> Important to understand. Um, let's take the USC coaching search the LSU coaching search, and obviously with Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, kind of tie them all together because they are interlocked to some degree. As you know, USC's had an opening, the first opening. It was September. Yeah, I believe, I believe we hadn't flipped the calendar to October before Clay Helton was shown the door. So Mike Bone, obviously, there's a lot that was quiet. And there was a lot of names. There was a lot of talk, and there's a lot of smoke, and there's a lot of a lot of stuff. But it was so early, there was nothing that was going to be done anytime soon publicly. But behind the scenes, there was a lot of work being done. Then LSU has an opening, October, mid-October. I think it was the 17th when they officially let Ed Orgeron go. Again, that's been a much speculated on opening. One, again, that was a lot of due diligence on a lot of guys. Then you had the Oklahoma situation, which was now in an opening. We'll get to that. But this is where it kind of ties in, and this is where it starts. The... Exact dates and times are 
not really important, but I can tell you, um, that the Lincoln Riley discussions with USC have been going on for a while with his agent. Now I know he's come out and said, first time ever, ever talked to the USC folks was on Sunday. Yeah, that's true. First time he ever, he ever talked with them, but this has been in works for a while. There has been some issues with Lincoln and the administration there. Not, not anything sinister, just not necessarily on the same page. Um, so this was a shock to a lot of people, but to the administration, not, not so much. They knew that, that there may be some interest in him looking around. Maybe it's NFL. Maybe it's, you know, but it was for the longest time. It's been Lincoln in USC. All the smoke was Lincoln Riley to LSU. Big name guy, going to go to LSU. It was never headed in that direction. Publicly, it was. All the Baton Rouge LSU media had that. That's what they're doing. That's it. But that's where all the smoke was coming from. So let's tie this together, shall we? The agent for Lincoln Riley is Trace Armstrong. The agent for Brian Kelly is Trace Armstrong. The agent for Scott Woodward, athletic director of LSU, is Trace Armstrong. Now, just because he represents Scott doesn't mean he's telling Scott everything about what's going on the USC search any more than he would tell another client what's going on with the LSU search because he doesn't know all the details. He knows one side. And it benefits him to think that maybe there might be some interest. So my inklings of what was going on was that it was much more about USC for Lincoln and less about LSU. Why? Lincoln was not happy about, from a football standpoint, about going to the SEC, Oklahoma, that is. Of course, the administration is, I mean, you kidding me? I mean, you're going to the SEC. It's the best conference. It's the most money. It's a business deal. You can make the argument it's not a good football deal for them. It's not about football. It's about money. And Lincoln, I've always said, is a very good coach, a very good offensive play caller. I've always questioned how good of a head coach he is in that he has always everything he's done from a recruiting standpoint, from a developmental standpoint, from a game plan standpoint, play calling standpoint is all tailored towards his offense. He's one of those guys that wants his offense to look aesthetically pleasing and he wants to win that way. I think we've seen that be successful in the Big 12 and hit a wall come playoff time. It doesn't mean you can't win the way he does it. It's just it's more difficult. You have an off day on offense. People slow you down. People get an early lead. All of a sudden, you just you're not fit at the line of scrimmage. You're not fit defensively 
to beat a, an elite team. You can beat most everybody else, but those one or two teams you got to beat, not quite good enough. In essence, going to the SEC, whether at Oklahoma or at LSU, was going to force you to have to beat those type of teams to get to the playoffs. So regardless of what the noise is, if you're winning Big 12 titles and you're going to the playoffs, you're getting it done at Oklahoma. Now, they're frustrated when they're not winning in the playoffs. I get that. But you're getting it done. You go to the SEC and you can't make the playoffs, you're taking a step back. You're not as viable. You're not as good. The program is slipping. It's Well, everyone looks at the results, and the program may not slip. The program may actually get better. We'll get better in the SEC, but they may not win more games. They could get better and end up being 10-2 and two every year. That would be better. 9-3 and three occasionally. It's just a tougher road. For him, going out west to USC allows him to do what he does well, run his offense the way he wants and allows him to do the way he wants it. He's a great recruiter. He's recruited well out west. So he's got a – I mean, he's already getting kids from – when he was at Oklahoma from California. Now he's flipping kids left and right that were committed to Oklahoma to go to USC. He'll be able to run his style, his way, in fun Los Angeles, have a lot of success, recruit like he should at USC, and it is the program in the conference. It is the program. No, they, they're they not the most winning. They're, they're not playing. We're not going to talk about them playing in the conference championship game. It's Utah and Oregon. USC is the best program. They have the resources, the history, and everything. It's why they just got to find the right guy. And in Lincoln Riley, they, I think, feel like they've got the right guy. And for Lincoln, it's a fit to, I can recruit well, and I can win the Pac-12 and maybe even dominate the Pac-12 like I did in the Big 12 and earn a berth in the playoffs and try to do it my way with my offense and what have you. That's the plan. That's the role. That's the fit as he sees it. The LSU situation, quite frankly, didn't make a lot of sense. Wasn't going to be. Why? Oh, well, it can do a much better job at LSU. It's it's still in the SEC, and we don't know how they're going to divide it east, west, whatever. Very well could be in the same division. I mean, you're still in the same rat race to try to accomplish the same thing. And you're going to have to do things differently. So the whole point of this is, as this was going, this has been in play for a while. So I know there's been a report uh, that's been out there that says that LSU had a catering party ready to hire Lincoln Riley. And he was, you know, they were just caught off guard this week. And it's not true. It was never going to be Lincoln Riley. And LSU has known it for at least two or three weeks. I mean, I got wind of it for at least two or three weeks. Discussing with LSU folks at least two weeks ago, they knew that that wasn't really something that was going to happen for them. 
and I don't know that he was their number one guy or number, it, it doesn't matter. That wasn't going to be a marriage that works. And they've known that for a while. So it could very well be you can't get in somebody's mind and nobody says, yeah, he's number one and he's number two. It doesn't work that way. You don't get that information that way. Very well, he could have been their number one guy, but they weren't caught off guard. Or, or they may have thought they could get him and then as of maybe two, three weeks ago, realized that wasn't going to happen. So maybe a little bit caught off guard two, three weeks ago. So they've been, they've had other options and looking at other options. But again, with Trace Armstrong, clearly working behind the scenes to get the Lincoln and USC deal, has got another guy that LSU would be interested in, is interested in. I have mentioned on a number of platforms. I talked with Brian way back in October. Um about LSU, known Brian since his Grand Valley State days. He showed no real interest. It's a football season, what have you. It was a Friday night. Um, we discussed. I certainly didn't feel like I made any progress towards convincing him. The one thing he and I have talked about over the years is, what if you went to a place where you didn't have recruiting restrictions? You had – you know, all the resources, all the bells and whistles. And if you don't have it, they'll get it for you. Just hold on a second, coach. We'll we'll get a shovel and we'll start doing it. Notre Dame, it's a lot more layers of bureaucracy. There's a lot more. This is the way we do it at Notre Dame. And he has abided by that very well. There are academic restrictions. There are difficulties. You do have to take calculus as a freshman. There are some exceptions you can get players in. But the players have to be show that they can, from an academic side, okay, this guy doesn't reach all of our numbers, but he's close enough that we think he can do the work and this is what he's going to study and yada, yada, yada. You don't have a lot of them. You don't have that problem at an LSU. Love the school. No disrespect. Got my degree from LSU. Uh, It's different. I've got one of my uh, godchildren has went got a degree from Notre Dame. It's it's different. It's different. It's different going into the school, getting into the school. So I think that that Brian looked at it that way. It, but let's just call it what it is. It's money too. Scott Woodward was going to put the money together. The money was there, and it's the emphasis on the money, the commitment. That leads to a decision like this, ultimately. Um, The whole process of, um, and again, I'm not knowing everything that's going to happen behind the scenes. You put a lot of this together. Well, that, when you have the same agent and you have kind of working it, we can, he can find a great fit here and a great fit there. You'll never get anybody to admit that, you know, this guy wasn't our first choice. We don't know for 100% certain that Lincoln Riley was USC's first choice or that LSU, uh, Brian Kelly was LSU's first choice. We don't know that. It really doesn't matter much at this point. What matters is it is like recruiting in that you identify who you think are the best and you put guys in a cluster, in a grades, and the pros and cons, and then – so I always like to say, you put the critical factors together, and then you got to go out and get them. 
and you got to recruit them. You got to get them. And if you can't get them, you got to go to the next one. And, and I, again, I don't know personally what LSU needs. I've just said what I think. I don't think Lincoln Riley is as good of a fit in the SEC as he is in the Pac-12 or the Big 12. Now, the Big 12 is not the Big 12 anymore. And he's, you know, he's at Oklahoma. He's going to the SEC. I think he's a better fit at USC. I think Brian Kelly would have been a great fit at USC personally, but I think he's also the disciplinarian and he's the tough line of scrimmage type of guy that I think is so successful sustainably in the SEC. How well these guys will do, only time will tell. It's like these recruiting classes. This guy's got – they have the number one class, number two. You don't know who the number one class is. You figure that out three years from now. Draft class, coaching hires. Recruiting classes are graded and evaluated three years down the road, not when they're done. It just doesn't. It's like saying the meal is good when they bring the plate. Well, you don't know the meal is good. You can assume it's going to be good. It looks good. It smells good. You legitimately can't say it tastes good until you go through and eat it. Then you know it's good. So. This was kind of how this played along. And I think for Oklahoma, as they go into the SEC, what a great opportunity for them to find someone that could not only, you know, embrace the the line of scrimmage, the defensive. you got to have good offenses. You do. But you've got to be better on defense. Because the one thing about it is the SEC is going to force you to do certain things. Because Oklahoma's not going to the playoffs if they don't get better. They don't get tougher. They don't get better on defense. If they make it to the playoffs, they will have earned it. They've gone through a tougher path, and they will have a better chance to be successful once they get there. So I think there's an opportunity to go in that different direction. And so it is not a, you know, he's never going to leave. We love him. Oh, that bastard left us. We hate him. That's how the fan bases look at it. From a pure football standpoint, that's how I see it. That's how I see the fit. And I personally, and I've talked with them, I, I, I love Brent Venables. I don't know that that's where Oklahoma's going to go. I think he'd fit a lot of the pedigree. They have not been afraid in the past of hiring guys who are assistants. Bob Stoops was and Lincoln was. This is a good program. I think Brent could bring about a certain toughness a certain defensive mentality with an understanding of how you need to play good offense. He's been it. He's seeing it. He's a better coach than Dabo Sweeney. I, I, I think he's a really good recruiter. We don't know, but if you're asking me to look at the skill sets, like I do with a player and, and, and I do it as a coach, I, I think that Brent could be every bit as good, if not better than Dabo Sweeney. He's a better football guy. I know that. Can he do all the other things as well? I don't know. We won't know until he does it, until he tries it. Does he want it? Do they want him? Don't know, but it's a thought. Um, Matt Campbell certainly would be in play. He would have to get down and dirty going into the SEC recruiting elite five-star players and not being this, well, we're going to be a developmental program. Oklahoma's not a developmental program. Iowa State is. Um, <clears throat> so we'll see how that plays out. Um Notre Dame, they lose Brian Kelly. Their decisions come down to this. They've got 
two very coveted, and we'll take your questions here in the chat room, so bring them on. The question they have, they've got a really outstanding coach on their staff and Marcus Freeman, a bright light. He's a minority candidate. It, it doesn't matter what color he is, but it is something that is, I think, looked upon very fondly and, and helpful. This guy, Marcus Freeman, is a great recruiter, emphasis on great, and an outstanding defensive coordinator. He played at Ohio State. He's worked his way up. He did a great job at Cincinnati, got hired at Notre Dame last year with the idea that you might be the next coach here at Notre Dame. Now, they were not thinking that a year later that Brian would be leaving, so timing may not be ideal. So they're looking at Notre Dame. Do they want to turn it over to a first-time head coach who's only been in that organization for one year? They did it with Bob Davey. The program's in better shape than when they tried the Bob Davey situation, but do they feel the timing's right for Marcus? Marcus obviously is going to stay at Notre Dame and be the head coach if offered. If not, are they waiting potentially to make an offer for Luke Fickle once the run at Cincinnati is over this year, which, as we'll get to, is probably going to be playing a little longer. Good chance they're in the playoffs. We don't know, but good chance. So the end of their season, which, again, Maybe they're able to do something as early as Sunday or Monday, or that's going to be a long wait and a tough, tough to get done. Do they look at a Matt Campbell? Uh, do they, you know, or if they go outside, then Marcus leaves Notre Dame. He's not going to stay there as defense coordinator, and he'll go be a bidding up a couple of things. If something happens in Cincinnati and Luke leaves, Marcus could hold on hold on out for a while, take the head job at Cincinnati, or maybe somewhere else that is intriguing to him if there's mutual interest of a job that may come open that's not yet open. Or he can basically be in a bidding war between Ohio State and LSU as the highest-paid assistant coach in the country, as the defensive coordinator there. Probably would go to Ohio State, it's his alma mater, but he's got a lot of options, a lot of good options. So that's kind of the latest there. Um, one of the things I would like to mention that I think is important is <clears throat> the agents, as I've kind of alluded in some of this conversation, has a distinct advantage over – um, if you're looking at what they're able to do in 10% of them representing 90% of the coaches, they can kind of maneuver around the room a little bit. And they've got an advantage and quite frankly, have a lot of administrators over the barrel because they've got uh, a lot of people that, um, you know, they represent and that makes them involved in a lot of jobs. And they do this a lot. And they can, you know, get a new deal for this guy. So that's where the media gets the information from the agents. 
So Mel Tucker's a candidate here. Bill O'Brien is a candidate here. This guy's a candidate here. They get raises. They get options. It can leverage two, three teams against one another. It can get them more money where they are. And boom, there you go. Well, rising tide raises all ships, right? So more money, more money, more money for this one. Well, the ones that are better and more proven get even more, more, more. Um, <clears throat> people have asked me why did we talked about why Lincoln Riley left. You know, I think Brian for the money and then for the opportunity to maybe enhance his chances, even though he said that wasn't the issue, I think it is. Um, so those are some of my thoughts. Hey, I want to get into the chat room next, and then we're going to get into um, conference championship game. But you've heard me talk about Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, and how the pillow's given me a good night's sleep that I desperately need, particularly this time of year when I have so little of it. He continues to roll out new offers on his products. His latest is on the towel set. Towels aren't something you think about a lot. I know I didn't. I get the cheap ones and whatever, and boom, I go. I never knew, though, what I was missing. Um, I got some from him. Um, and I know the MyPillow company's been built into an incredible company. And if trusted Mike Lindell to get you a better night's sleep, now he's changing the game. They've got a six-piece towel set. It's made up of special USA cotton, extremely absorbent, extremely absorbent, yet providing you that soft feel. That's the thing I noticed getting out of the shower, shower, but even in using the little small towel and then the hand towels and the washcloths, really, really good. Uh, I never thought I'd be excited talking about towels, but it's really, really good. They've got a set that runs for $109. You can get for $39.99. A phenomenal deal. And how do you do it is you enter the promo code L-A-N-D-R-Y. That's my name. Remember, all of the products come with a 60-day guarantee. So if you don't like it, send it back. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Special to get this insanely low price of $39.99 on the towel set. Um, You'll find deep discounts on other MyPillow products as well that might be of interest. I got the pillow. I got the bed sheets in addition to the towel. All you need to do, enter the promo code LANDRY, L-A-N-D-R-Y, 1-800-659-2338 for these great podcast specials. All right, let's get into a couple of things. Chris sent in one, and we'll get you in the chat room. Which Georgia defensive linemen have graded out the best this year? We'll talk about Georgia's defense since we're going to talk about them um, in the game against Alabama. Um, the best defensive players graded out is N'Kobe Dean this year. Um, DeMonte White is graded out in the uh, high red-grade area. Blues are the absolutely elite. Reds have great, or, or guys that you win with. Uh, White is graded out mostly blues. Dean mostly blues. Um, Tyndall was graded out in the blues as a linebacker. Um, Carter is graded out in the high reds. Um, Ingram Dawkins hadn't had enough reps, but he graded out high reds. Um, 
Chambliss is graded out in the Reds. Um, Nolan Smith is graded out in the Reds. Jordan Davis is graded out in the 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 Blues and High Reds. Um, all of those guys have graded out in that High Reds, Low Grade Blue. Uh, it's they're the real deal. They've been outstanding. All right, let's see what you've got inside the chat room, and then we're going to get into uh, the um, the breakdown of the games. <clears throat> Rich says, what did you make of Belichick's comments on the lack of criteria for Hall of Fame and making the case for Rodney Harrison should be in the Hall of Fame due to that Richard Seymour and Winsworth were, were named the semifinalists for the Hall of Fame thoughts? I've always felt like the problem with the Hall of Fame is that you've got people like sports writers deciding on it, and they don't have the football acumen to make those decisions. They're looking at stats. They're talking to people. That's fine. There needs to be a little bit more of a, a criteria of each position and understand that you can't go by stats on a on a safety, on a defensive lineman, a Vince Warfork. People that don't coach, teach, scout, understand the game, they don't know how good a player is. They go by word of mouth, and that's not good enough, the, the, the voters do. They should have a group of football people that can adequately evaluate. And if you want, take people that – like if it's a player that I signed or drafted, then don't have me on there because that's not really fair. But somebody that that you know you're not tied to, then but you've scouted, evaluated. I think you should have more football people on it. <clears throat> Rich Coach says people are saying that Lincoln Riley is scared of playing in the SEC, which is not really true. How that that Oklahoma is going to the SEC? Do you think if they were to stay Oklahoma in the SEC, would he? Tweak some of the philosophies as a coach, considering it's more about the offense than anything else. Okay, so you're saying people are saying that Lincoln Riley's scared. I don't know if scared is the right word. But, no, I don't think he wanted to change his style. And, as I said, I don't think he would have been as successful in the SEC. I think he's going to be a better success at USC. At USC, he's going to get really good athletes. His his philosophy on defense is be aggressive and take the ball away, so we can get extra possessions. He'll be able to do that at SEC in at at uh, USC better, and it's not so much about line of scrimmage play; it's more about playing in space. Is USC going to be top three in the Pac-12 next year? I think they will. I think they absolutely. It's pretty easy to do. Hey, Joe Fo, how are you? Rich Coach, what was your scouting evaluation? Brock? Okay, we'll get to that. Those are a little bit off topic there. Uh, Terry Allen, chances of Durante Jones remaining at LSU versus places he could end up. Um, <clears throat> look, I, I don't know how to put a percentage on it, Terry. Um, you know, I think he's done a good job. I I, I I think they're better defensive coordinators and more proven defensive coordinators. So if he stays, it's not as defensive coordinator, or it shouldn't be. But he may have some other options that will allow him to do that. So, I, you know, I don't know what chances I would put in. I, I'd say that they're, um, they're decent if the right fit on him staying there. I think he could be part of the staff, yes. I would say the chances of him remaining – at LSU as a defense coordinator are slim. I think they're better options. 
Um, if he's not there as a defensive coordinator, which I don't, I've just said, I don't think they're great. Um, then I think he'd more than likely go somewhere else. Um, Greg says, uh, I appreciate all your insight and coaching change. Very informed. Thanks for doing these shows there. Pre- Thank you, Greg. Appreciate you. Uh, let's get back to, um, Brock Marion out of Nevada. Brock Marion was a really good instinctive safety. Eric Allen out of Arizona state was a difference maker. Really, really athletic. Um, <clears throat> that I thought really was physical, uh, covering in short area and was really good run defender. And Robert Mathis out of Alabama and him. Robert was an under-recruited guy, a late bloomer that could really come off the ball, had really, really good explosive qualities. Uh, our good friend Danny in New York, one of New York's finest. We appreciate you. Do, do uh, Castigli owners Warburg always have a list of coaching candidates ready for instances like this? Is there a sense of urgency for either program to hire a coach? Um, yes, I would. I, I can. Danny, without saying it with 100%, I can say it with 99.9% because that's what they do. That's what they're supposed to have. Um, look, I can tell you at least what I do in terms of the coaching consulting is the evaluation of coaches. And a lot of them have that. They have that evaluation that I have. And and so they know who's out there and they know who's represented by who. So yes, they have a list. What they've got to do is the toughest thing is decide who's gettable and how quickly the availability. I mean, all those things have to be factored in, but, Knowing who is really good. And here's the other thing, too. There's one guy for that job, number one. There's really not. There's really not. I mean, look, in the draft, I use this parallel a lot. In the draft, there's very often, man, we're picking eighth and we're picking. You might be picking first. And there's really not the one guy that's clearly better than the number two guy. But you're, you're going to take this one over that one because of these reasons. In some ki- cases, you're picking one or five, and there's clearly this is the guy we want, and we like these others, but this is clearly. In coaching searches, sometimes there's the clear number one guy. We'd just love to have that guy. More than anything, we'd love to have him. But sometimes there's a handful of guys that are really good. Um, if you're Notre Dame, it, let's take them. I would think they would, on their list, they would have Luke Fickle ranked very high. I think they'd have Matt Campbell on there fairly high. I think... One of them, Luke, is a little bit more experienced and maybe trying to recruit a different type of guy due to his background, but not not at Cincinnati, but but both develop well. I, I think like those guys. I, I think probably go back and forth. I think they really like what Marcus Freeman could be. I think they'd like to see a little bit more pedigree from him. I, I think they've got a few options. Oklahoma, similarly, what do they want to do? I don't like, you know, hearing that. To me, I don't think a, like, for example, I don't think a Josh Heupel would be a good fit. 
because I think he's a similar version of Lincoln Riley, which I don't think is as good a fit for what they need, what I think they need to be, but they may not see it the way I do. Uh, but absolutely got their um, a list, an idea. Now, honing it in on this guy or that guy, that that takes a little time, and, and uh, we'll see where that goes. Hey, you've got time to send in more questions, or others can send in a question right now <clears throat> in the meantime, and we'll get to them. In the meantime, let's kind of go over real quick. Got Texas San Antonio, Western Kentucky, Texas San Antonio. Uh, this is a Friday night's action. Uh, Western Kentucky's sneaky team. Watch them. Um, Texas San Antonio has been a great story. Good team. Couldn't maintain un- being unbeaten. Oregon, Utah, Friday night. Is it going to be a sweep by Utah? We're going to break all of these games down, remind you, at LandryFootball.com. For those of you that members, we're going to go through all the details, all the scouting reports, every one of these games, as well as the NFL games, we do that for you. So check that out. Take advantage of the football season sale. Now, it's a great holiday gift for yourself or someone else in your family. So join LandryFootball.com today. All the inside information on these coaching searches, all the details on recruiting, which is coming up big Um, more coaching searches with the assistants, the NFL stretch run, recruiting, the draft, got it all for you. So take a great time to become involved with Landry football. Always a great time. Um, But can Oregon get revenge? By the way, I think Joe Moorhead is going to get the job at Arizona. Uh, Excuse me, Arizona. I've got too much going on in my brain at Akron, and I think that will happen probably Monday. I mean, it will be. Sunday, Monday, some point, that's where it's going to end up. Um, so we'll see that coming out of Oregon, and, and you know, we'll see what adjustments they're able to make because they got hammered at the line of scrimmage by Utah. Uh, Baylor, Oklahoma State, for a lot on the line. Let's jump in there and say Oklahoma uh, excuse me, Oklahoma State with a win is right in the playoff mix. It's Georgia if they win, they're in, of course. Georgia's in either way. Georgia wins, they're in. Michigan wins, they're in. Cincinnati wins, they're in. Oklahoma State wins, they're in. I think that's how it's going to go. If it plays out that way. So both could get in. If Alabama wins, then you've got Alabama and Georgia in. Michigan would get in with a win. And then it's Cincinnati or Oklahoma State. So we're talking about who could be in, and we're talking about coaching stuff. A lot of stuff are at play. What happens if Georgia wins, Michigan loses to Iowa? Cincinnati loses. Oklahoma State loses. We're now throwing in Notre Dame in the mix. What a mess that would be. I mean, now you're starting to talk about, depending on how close they, how competitive they can be against Georgia, Alabama, two losses in, because now two losses are in the mix, because pretty much everybody that is at least contending to get in would have two losses. 
So that's the ultimate chaos and unlikely to happen, but that's I want to jump into that. But Baylor-Oklahoma State's going to be a good rematch. Oklahoma State's been more consistent, a little better defensively. Uh, like them a little in a close one, but Baylor's played really well. It's going to be fun there. Uh, Kent State, Northern Illinois is going to be interesting as well in uh, the MAC. Utah State, San Diego State, Mountain West. We'll keep those for the complete breakdowns over at Landry Football that I have for you. Appalachian State, Louisiana Lafayette. Yes, Billy Napier is going to be coaching the Cajuns in that game. That'll be Saturday as well. We'll uh, see that maybe some Gator fans will be interested in watching that, certainly more than they normally would. Cincinnati-Houston. Dana's Holgerson's got a really good team. Does Cincinnati play their best game? Do they feel a little pressure? It's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see in that one. Like Cincinnati, really good team. They should win this game. They're the better team. They certainly have better matchup advantages. Alabama, Georgia, I'm going to break it down um, in detail. Look, it comes down to this. Alabama's going to have to win this with their defense. They're going to have to really do a good job with their run fits. They're going to have to be aggressive, I think, against the run. I think they're going to have to penetrate, run some run blitzes. They're going to have to force some third and longs. They're going to have to play better defensively than they've done all year long. And at times this year, this Alabama defense has been really good. Not consistent. But in a one-game scenario, the defense is going to have to play lights out better than they have, cover better than they have consistently. Because this Georgia defense is dominant. This Georgia offense has been good. And they may have looked dominant. But, you know, this Georgia offense has not faced the defense that's been really good. Now, Georgia's defense has faced really good offenses and has shut them down. You're not going to score a ton of points against Georgia. But if you can make this a... 20 to 17, 20 to 13, one possession game. If you're Alabama, you got a shot, and your defense is going to have to do it. You can perhaps, perhaps, if this game is competitive, it will be because Alabama's defense will rise up and will make enough plays on the defensive side to make it competitive. That's the only way to do it because I don't think this offense is going to have sustained success against Georgia's defense. We shall see. Pitt and Wake Forest will be a fun game. It just doesn't have the results that are going to necessitate a lot of eyeballs. That'll be going up against Iowa-Michigan, which most will look at. Michigan's the better team. think they'll win. Iowa can match up pretty well. The secondary's still pretty good, but they're not as healthy as they have been. I like the way Michigan's played. Would it be like Michigan, though, with a big performance last week? to come up on the short end this week to not be as prepared or not as not as prepared, not to be as focused pressure gets to them would be great for Michigan would be look, they're the only team in the big 10 that could make it at this point, unless there's complete chaos. I can't imagine Ohio state getting in the mix again with two losses just doesn't happen. But again, we'll see, see if Michigan can take care of business. A couple more questions have come in. Danny New York says, thoughts on Brent Pry, Brent Pry to Virginia Tech. Um, glad you mentioned that, Danny. Thank you. Um, Virginia Tech looked at a few people. They're not in the big money spending business. 
they did have some interest in Bill O'Brien. I tweeted it out. That was legit. But kind of what he was looking for and kind of the commitment, the money and everything, that didn't go as far. It looked like it was progressing. In fact, it was in terms of the plan, how we're going to do it. When it came to the money and the structure, they weren't on the same page. And look, I think you look at it is um, they like Brent. Brent's a good coach. I don't know how well he'll do. Only time will tell. Certainly you got guys like Jamie Chadwell right in that region. Um, people have brought up to me, Hugh Freeze, that was, he was never going to be in it. We've talked about that. That's, they're very conservative. So, which, you know, um, you know, Brent's done a really good job as defense coordinator at Penn State. Really, um, a good coach, good ideas. I think they've been going wayward defensively. So I think they're looking for a guy on the defensive side, uh, at least with a defensive background. Um, I thought they could get a more proven commodity that had head coaching experience, but the money, while good, not not maybe enough to get a couple of the guys that were in a position. Brandon Sanders, hey, Brandon, says, any thoughts on who Napier will hire as his assistants in Gainesville? Brandon, there's a whole bunch of guys, but nothing definitive. I would encourage you, cheap plug here, I apologize. I don't know if you've done it. If you would check, I've got – on LandryFootball.com, a whole bunch of names of guys that are candidates that I know many of them that was on Billy's list when he went into the interview. We um, So you can get a whole bunch of guys that I think would be really good fits from guys that he's worked with, guys that with him now, guys that have recent stops. So that's the best way to go. Once I have, okay, look, it's going to be down between the, – then I'll certainly pass that along over at Landry Football and certainly we'll get to it. So – Check that out for now. And Rich says, what are some of the things that stood out to you in the Michigan versus Ohio State? Oh, the thing that stood out more than anything, Rich, was the play at the line of scrimmage. Michigan was dominant in this game. Um, They not only were more physical, they were quicker off the ball. This Ohio State defense has been inconsistent throughout the year. We saw Oregon run it and gashed them, and Michigan did it. And they made a few plays when they needed to in the passing game, but it was the dominance in the run game that controlled it. Defensively, give them a lot of credit. They got after it. I think I think that Michigan's pair of edge rushers are as good as any in college football. Um, and I think they deserve a whole lot of credit um, for how they've been able to force the issue defensively. Great job. Tremendous job. Um, but it's the play at the line of scrimmage. It was bully ball, physical ball. They were able to get that done. So very, very impressed with what Jim was able to do. Now it's about building off of that. Uh, you know, and and people will talk about it too. It's they really did. They looked on film like the better team as, as opposed to Michigan State. They just, they made too many mistakes in that game. And they really played a clean game against Ohio State. So how clean a game they played relative to Michigan State's game, the game against Michigan State, and the line uh, a scrimmage play was the big difference in the game. So that was it. Folks, um, we're going to uh, get back. Look, we are um, 
certainly looking for feedback. We, as we get towards the end of the season, we're looking at different things. I'm talking with some of my business partners on, on how to structure things and do things. We may, may end up looking at doing this podcast a little bit more frequently and, um, doing something different with the conference. We're just looking at a lot of different things. So we certainly like your feedback and ask you to uh, join us and uh, go to LandryFootball.com. If you would, even if you're listening now, if you go to LandryFootball.com and you can do this for free and uh, click on, um, we post these podcasts up. You don't want to listen to the whole thing. At least click on it, sign up. That'll really help our algorithms and our numbers. So uh, please do that, and uh, it'll be uh, it, it'll be helpful to let us know which of these podcasts you really like and uh, which ones we should continue with going forward. Also, a reminder that all of our film breakdowns, all of the news and notes, information overload that we've got for you at LandryFootball.com. We have been busy with coaching searches, getting a lot of that information. Uh, we certainly, all the other information, we work hard to get up for you, so check that out. College, NFL, whatever is your favorite, we've got it all for you. So uh, check it out today. Uh, we really appreciate it. And get yourself a good pillow, some good towels at my pillow. Again, remember that number is 1-800-659-2338. Enter the promo code LANDRY. Do that. Uh, get yourself. To me, if you get that and you get a subscription to LandryFootball.com, there's nothing better. What could be better? Who has it better than that? Nobody, as the Harbaugh's would say. Hey, enjoy the game. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see who ends up next week. We'll know who's going to be in the bowl games. We'll know who's going to be in the Final Four. We may even have another coach or two for you. But, look, we're going to break the behind the scenes down for you next week. But all the updates, what's going on, if you're not following me on Twitter, what are you waiting for? I can't help you. You're going to get the inside information. We're going to get it to you at Landry Football. Follow me on Twitter. Check us out at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the football season sale now. Get the discount. Get a membership there. Appreciate you joining us. God love you. Talk to you next time, everybody. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.